All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on a Wilder Wednesday, Super Producer Brandon Newman and Fox Sports' very own Charlotte Wilder. Friends, what's going on? Brandon's got a colorful shirt on. Everybody needs to go to the YouTube to see it. It's terry cloth and it's pink and it has yellow flowers on it. Charlotte, you've been listening to this podcast too much. Mike constantly goes to whatever I'm wearing to open up the, the podcast. Podcast, Charlotte, you're right there. As the good Lord intended. As the good Lord intended, and a great plug to go and make sure, in addition to download, subscribing, rating, and reviewing, that you check out the YouTube channel. Brandon, is this a soft launch for your Super Bowl week wardrobe? It is, Micah. I've been shopping for uh, Arizona-themed clothing. This is basically a, uh, if you think SpongeBob SquarePants uh, towel button uh, polo shirt. (laughs) By Nike is kind of what I'm what I'm rocking with, and I'm I'm hoping to be seeing a lot in it this week. You know, there's those clothing's like I'm not going to wear this much, but I'd love to have a bunch of pictures in it. And this is this was going on. I felt like you were going to already be dripped in. Did you see that OVO did a collaboration with the NFL's new gear, and now it's just going to confuse a bunch of dads because it's NFL apparel with team logos with a giant owl on it, and now a bunch of older gentlemen are going to think that every NFL team's new mascot is a gold owl. Okay, Mike, that's actually – I was in TJ Maxx the other day thinking I might need some fake gold chains for this event. That settles it for me. (laughs) Take care, take care, Drake coming. Dear God. Guys, I just I I won't be at the Super Bowl this year, but if Mike, if you could just text me a picture of Brandon's outfit every day, I would really appreciate it. I think we're definitely going to have to do the outfit of the day bit for Brandon. So Charlotte, you will get to see them all first. Oh no, yeah, exactly. I don't want to see this on social media. I want a direct to consumer. Right. I want a I want a B2B situation. Yeah. So yeah. we'll we'll exactly. go we'll go B2B with like I'll, it'll be like a picture that Brandon's not ready for. Well, I'll just sneak yeah. it on my phone, send it directly to the group chat here, and then whatever social media gets will be theirs, but yours will be a one of one, a minted Brandon Newman Super Bowl week fit NFT. Thank you. 
Thank you. I was just going to say, I want the NFT version. I want that shit on blockchain, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I want that encrypted. I don't know what it is about a male friendship. Maybe it's just Mike and me, but he takes terrible pictures of me and then posts them to his many, many followers on social media. And it's the most violent thing he does to me. Is that what is that why you took pictures of me drunk as shit in the lobby of a hotel in Jacksonville after the Notre Dame South Carolina game and just started firing them off from the show account? I thought wow. those were safe. I and there's some there's some of those videos that I did not share because you were too drunk. I only yes. shared them with you, but uh, yeah, I thought stagnant was was safe. Uh, but people, Brandon, people this just, might be a glass houses situation, so I might just walk it all back a little bit. Gonna, oh, gonna just walk it all back. And that's good because we got a great show today, so we are not going to let that impede the progress here. Um, tons of NFL coaching news. Brandon currently trying to kill a fly inside of his house. <laughs> we have got important behind-the-scenes information on some of your mm-hmm. favorite Super Bowl commercials of all time and mm-hmm. great news about a monkey at the zoo. But, um, friends, I feel like we got to start yesterday. NFL news incredibly giving and Maybe the biggest shocker of them all, former Saints head coach Sean Payton traded to the Denver Broncos by the (laughs) New Orleans Saints. Uh, It was announced courtesy of Adam Schefter and company because he had signed a contract extension in 2019 that went through 2024. The Saints had to, uh, or excuse me, the Broncos had to give up a 2023 first round pick, the 29th overall pick, and their 2024 second rounder. And then the Saints 24 third rounder um, also mixed up in that. So it's a whole kit and caboodle for him. And uh, do we think this is enough to fix Russell Wilson? Because that's got to be what the bet is at this point. Denver continues to light first round draft picks on fire in the name of trying to figure out the situation. Well, it's something that confuses me a little bit about the situation is it's like, yeah, I know that I'm sorry. I find it all very funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. Well, so the funniest part about this was that Adam Schefter apparently said Sean Payton wearing an orange tie this past weekend on TV was not a coincidence. <laughs> I didn't like hear that. that <laughs> like the fact that I heard that from Shefty, I was like, wait a minute now. Like this is getting too inside baseball. Like he, he found that on a Reddit page. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's been in the depths of the dark web about, like, Broncos fandom. Um, Here's the thing. Yes, a a coach is very important, and I feel like anybody who's listened to me talk about sports for the – as long as I've been doing it, I'm a big – big on environment, big on leadership, big on the trickle-down of um, vibe, if you will – um, that's how Reagan referred to trickle down economics. Actually, nobody talks about it. It was actually trickle down vibes, and that got twisted into neoconservatism. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I do think that's very important, and you need a good leader, and you need someone who's, I think, in this case, been there before, especially with Russ. But also, you need like good players. So, because Sean Payton's not out there blocking for anybody, like he's not catching any, any passes. He's not so. I'm a little bit like I know that it doesn't all come from the draft. That's not all how you build a team, but it certainly can't hurt if you have um, a defense that is outscoring your offense uh, during the season. 
Yeah, that's certainly the issue. For part of last year, at one point, the Broncos had the number one scoring defense and the dead last scoring offense. So the disparity could not have been further apart. To your point, Charlotte, I'd be curious if the Broncos are done making big swings to that end and if there's other players that they may go at over the course of this time. But I guess for them, it's one of those things like, when there's a bunch of leaks on the side of a ship, you've probably got to try to plug the biggest one first. And the biggest yeah. one for them is the Russell Wilson problem. We saw this job. I mean, Ian Rappaport was reporting that as early, you know, as recently as yesterday when they made this announcement that the Broncos were still trying to hire D'Amico Ryans, who took the job with the Houston Texans. So if that's the process they've been going through, it does reek of, as we talked about, a little bit of desperation because of how bad the Russell Wilson situation got last year so trying to say well Sean Payton once revived Drew Brees after a shoulder surgery after he was moved to New Orleans maybe he can do that with a healthy Russell Wilson who was just bad last year is what seems like the thought process for a team who just doesn't have a lot of options yeah do we know- but I feel like if anyone is going to save this sinking ship it's Sean Payton like I, there's something about how he's won that feeds itself to a place that is popular, has a great fan base, has won in the past, but the the big stars are are lacking. There's not there's not definitely not a super team vibe. No, not I, at this point. No. Go ahead, Mike. I, I well, no, I was just gonna say, like, I, I I guess I look at this move and I understand why they made it because it feels like the only move. You had to swing big. You had to pay the price. You had to sort of money whip everybody involved to get something done here because you don't have a lot of options. And the one thing that I do think it gives Sean Payton is time because they can't afford to do what they did last year. Nathaniel Hackett came in as a first-timer with no reputation. Sean Payton's got a Super Bowl trophy in his arsenal. It's from a long time ago. You can argue that him and Drew Brees could and should have won more during their tenure together if you want to but the bottom line is this guy's going to walk into the locker room with instant respect he's going to be able to go in and maybe corral some of the things about Russell Wilson that we've heard may have gotten a little bit too out of control his control of the offense the things that he wanted to do like you've already heard Sean Payton go on with Colin Cowherd when he was asked what you would do to fix Russell Wilson already kind of laid out the plan and talked you know in TV generalities about meeting him halfway about leaning into the things that he does well but that's really what it's going to have to be because you're stuck with him and he does not do the same things well that Drew Brees does. So if you try and jam square peg into round hole, running especially the late stage Brees stuff, you're going to have a bad time. So I feel like because everyone is playing with the cards up on this, you're going to have the best chance of what you had left out there if you're the Broncos because there weren't many moves to make. No, I think that's right. And I also think that, look, you've got new ownership there. You have a franchise that has not had a history of being bad. And I think that that really scares um, owners and the people inside the building when it's like, wait a second, this isn't what we've had before. And obviously, you know, it was bought in the last year or so. So there's they knew that they were bad. This isn't like a shocker. But I do think that there's... um, Sometimes for morale or a fan base or, you know, the outside 
powers that be or influences, sometimes bringing in a big name is the best way to signal to people like, look, we're really trying. Like we're not, we're not bringing Vic Fangio or Nathaniel Hackett or who was the other guy. There was one other and I can never remember his name. That, oh, the, the third one year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that I, it, it it's just like you need somebody who everybody knows is the real deal. And I think that even the perception of that, regardless of what the reality ends up being, um, goes a long way for people in and outside of the building. Uh, Charlotte, the name you were searching for was Vance Joseph there. Vance who was Vance the head Joseph. coach for 2017 and 2018. Vic Fangio, yeah. the coach for 2019 and 2021, and Nathaniel Hackett enjoyed all of 2022. So again, to the point we kind of talked about here, the attempt to microwave results and then kind of churning it for the next thing after that, I think really for both of these jobs, for the Texans job where you've got uh, D'Amico Ryan's taking over coming from San Francisco, and this was Sean Payton, everybody involved is kind of past the point of no return, right? You can't just fire another coach after one year if you're the Houston Texans. And for the Denver Broncos, you burned the boats, you sent all those first-round yeah. picks to Seattle yeah. for Russell Wilson, and in year one, it failed famously. But you're so committed with all of the money that you can't go away. So what'd you do? You lit even more boats on fire and said, we'll send the picks. We'll get Sean Payton over. They're going to have to pay him a king's ransom now because Sean's got all the leverage in the world taking this job, and they're going to have to make it work. And at this point, that's predicated on Sean Payton showing that, hey, he can – evolve and do the things outside of just having Drew Brees drop back and be one of the most accurate quarterbacks in NFL history. But then also for Russell Wilson, can you swallow your pride and say, hey, maybe going back to some of that stuff that I did when I wasn't necessarily the happiest in Seattle might be the best case scenario for us as a football team. And because of where they're at right now, that's what it's got to be. And with Brandon's point, you've at least got someone who now kind of acts as more of a face of your franchise than Russell Wilson, who's not going to be the best sell to the fan base. Well, well, not at this point. And I think it was, it's, I don't know if it's the Walmart people kind of learning how to do this thing, but they needed a head coach version of Russell Wilson and what Russell Wilson brings to the table. Like someone who's potentially a, a I don't think it's someone who's going to future hall of famer. Yep. And, and, you know, knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Did they end up getting him for that Bradley Chubb uh, first round pick that they got from the Dolphins, too? Yes. So, yeah, the reason yeah. they had that first round pick was because they sent uh, Miami sent that in the trade for Bradley Chubb. That pick originally came uh, from the San Francisco 49ers who sent that mm. pick to Miami in the trade that helped them jump up and take Trey Lance. Lance in 2021. So it's from the Dolphins by way of San Francisco. Like at this point in time, you could you make a hire like this so that you can literally take your hands off the wheel and just just see what happens. Because I think you can trust Sean Payton in this spot uh, after being away, getting the appetite for it a little bit, playing the game, seeing how highly he's suited and things like that. And I think the media played a, a hand in this just from pushing the fact that everyone uh, uh, everyone assumes that the Cowboys are going to try to go get Sean Payton, even though they already have somebody in-house in Mike McCarthy who seems to be comfortable where he's at. Like his, his value went up based on the media talking about him tied to America's team. 
Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. That's so true. Sean Sean Payton was, as soon as he left coaching, kind of like what we talked about if Sean McVay had wanted to take a break. Someone who was going to have a job right away when he wanted again. There is some shock that he would take this job, right? With all of the complications that we mentioned. Maybe he sees something in Russell Wilson. Maybe it's the hubris of a coach that believes they can always go and help that situation. But it is somewhat shocking that he wouldn't wait for a job with more ideal circumstances to go in and operate. Because on the other side, for the Saints, pretty big win for them. Like, he was already gone, and now you're back in the first round in the 2023 draft. And while you're deep back in the first round, you do have an opportunity to maybe try and package something together, maybe go quarterback shopping try and get involved with some of the high brand, you know, the big brand name quarterbacks in this year's class, or, you know, package it for something next year and try and take a swing on that. But it does give the Saints a little more ammo in places they need because that roster is on the verge of being in hell too. It's so fascinating to me when coaches go back um, or when people leave a sort of a cushy uh, media job for the arguably hardest thing you could do, which is turn around an NFL franchise that has some serious issues. Um, and I, I think it's so, it's kind of cool to me because I, I don't think you take this, there's not much glory in this. There's way more chance of failure Mm -hmm. than there is success. And so to me, there's something actually very cool about Sean Payton taking this job because a, I think it's that that mentality you have to have if you're a coach, which is that you're a little bit off your rocker and you love it yeah. in a way that I don't think people fully understand you love it. Like there's a it's almost an addiction, and I don't mean that with the negative connotations, although I'm sure no, that it, it absolutely is. It is you're absolutely right? right. And so I think that that it's so telling. Anytime something like this happens, um or even like Brian Greasy going back to was he? Did yes. he go to the Niners to yeah. be the quarterback coach? Like that's such yeah. a low. That's such a not glamorous job. But like there is an element of the game itself and being the person who is being talked about, not the person who is doing the talking. That I think is very seductive. And if you succeed, that's just like above and beyond anything you could ever do in a booth from a guy who's coming from a coaching background. Well, I think there's also something to just being the one doing, even if it's not the fame and being talked about. There is like even now doing this job, I didn't do as long as any of these guys did, but you miss being a part of the thing as opposed to just being around and gawking at it because you actually get to put your hand in the pile and influence the process. We can all talk about it. We can all explain it. We can do our best to orbit this and be helpful but we're not actually going to do anything in the same way where they're the source, they're the product, they are the thing that makes this whole thing go. And there definitely is something addictive about being a part of a team and something that you miss, even for Sean Payton, who got to go and be on a TV team the way that we've all been a part of in media jobs. I've always said this to people that I've worked with in the media. I'm never going to trust you the way that I trust my former teammates and a lot of the coaches I worked with because the things you're asked to do in those circumstances are just different. They involve your physical well-being. They involve way more hours, way more time together that you're going to spend with most people at your jobs now. And it's just a different level of trust that you have to put in other people when it's, hey, this is my physical well-being. You take a, you know, you take a hand in this while I take a hand in yours. And for coaches, overseeing all that, knowing what they know, I'm sure is kind of the similar feeling. Well, I think that, I mean, not to get too meta and talk about sports media for a second, but I think that that's something that um, 
executives and leaders would stand to really pay attention to um, is that if when the stakes are so high on a football field and and you're part of a team where you literally as the offense cannot do the job of the defense and the defense cannot do the job of the offense, which is sort of like, you know, a producer talent or executive talent. like the, it's a lot of similarities between it. And I think that one thing about this industry that the the greatest success that I have had or that I have seen other people have has come when you treat it as a rising tide, when you treat it as like, you know what, there might not be physical stakes on the line, but like, if we want to, we can think of this as a high stakes situation where we're all going to try to work together and make this thing float. Um, and I think it's so much easier when there aren't physical stakes, when like there isn't some massive bonus in terms of whether you win or lose as there is in the NFL or how many catches you like there, the incentive structure is just different. So it becomes very easy to be more selfish. And I think it's fascinating to see a guy like Sean Payton go from a TV situation, which is, you know, like the highest rated show on TV. Like he, he's, he's on, he, he has as many eyeballs as he's going to get and go back to being um, someone who's a part of this very intense game day situation, because I imagine that there are a lot of similarities and, and it's, I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that. I just think that the, the rising tide is. Yeah. It definitely makes sense, and it's not unprecedented, right? We saw, I mean, you talk about the height of that job. It's John Gruden was calling Monday Night Football, was making $10 million a year to do it, and decided to go back and coach for the Raiders. And it went horrifically for all the reasons that we saw, but it was that same draw that you talked about there. I I do think, to the point about kind of things things that you're looking for and what you get out of this, I will be curious from Russell Wilson's standpoint, what his response to this is. Because when someone comes in with the reputation like Sean Payton has, players notice. And there's an understanding of what this person can do for me. Like when I was, so going into my fifth year senior year at Notre Dame, Harry Heastam, I was the offensive line coach who's at Notre Dame now. That was his first year. He came over at that point from Tennessee. And I remember sitting around, Zach Martin was on that offensive line. Chris Watt, who's now back at Notre Dame, but played in the NFL for a while. And we were looking around at all of the stops that Coach Heastand had been and how many guys he had put into the NFL from all those spots. That was the one thing we heard is everywhere he goes, he puts dudes in the draft, he gets them drafted high, he gets them to the NFL. And so for a guy like Zach Martin, who was on our line, who was already trending to being a highly drafted guy, had been playing for two, three years at that point and playing really well. Now, all of a sudden, he saw that opportunity. He took the things that were there, and it's supernovas, and he's a first-round pick who's on his way to being a Hall of Famer. So there is that recognition when someone comes in with such an established reputation for producing at a high level that as a player, if you're approaching this right, even for a guy as tenured as Russell Wilson – saying, okay, there's a massive thing that I can gain from working from a person who's already been a part of one Hall of Fame career in a Super Bowl with that guy, even though Russell Wilson is on a similar track with accomplishment in his career. Yeah, and the similarities there, too, with Drew Brees and and Russell Wilson and the success of uh, left-brain quarterbacks, if you will, uh, and and Sean Payton's ability to try to get the best out of them. And I don't know. in the um, process of getting courted that Sean Payton has been going through, you also got to come into that job rejuvenated, right? Like when you're in that process of looking for a job and you're getting a bunch of people 
who you respect, your peers, telling you what you can do with this team because of what you've done before. Like that's stuff that like Sean Payton just kind of rolls out of bed and just does because he's a football coach, right? Like the energy and um, the, you know, the good juju and shout out Charlotte, the vibes, the vibes that come <laughs> from just vibes. someone in the mile high city too. I don't even know. It's probably all kinds of vibes, but the vibes that come off of just somebody just <laughs> continue letting you know that this is what you can do. Like we trust in this whole situation, even with them looking at other coaches. Cause obviously that's a big part of it, but I think everything happens for a reason. And Sean Payton landing in a spot where, People aren't going to expect a lot of them. Like in the AFC West, like when when Russell Wilson went over there, it was like, okay, wow, wow, West and AFC. Like you got all these quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, uh, Russell Wilson now. Oh, wow. Like no one's expecting them to do anything in the AFC West, which gives him a lot of opportunities to do some special things. I wonder, though, one thing that I do, I think in a perfect world, that's how Russell Wilson approaches it. I wonder, though, is there a world in which there's an ego of like uh, arm's length to begin with? You know, like I think it yeah. depends on how he. It's just a fascinating situation, right? Because like I could, and I'm not saying, and I don't know Russell Wilson. I'm not saying this like I, I'm not trying to speculate about his character or about how he would react to something like this. But I can see situations in which if you have the guy who was the big name. And then you get another big name and you have like now is, is the narrative going to be if Russ is good, it's like, Oh, Sean Payton fixed him. Like, is he going to want that? Or is it like there, there's some, there's some delicate political, um, you got to massage some of these messages and some of these narratives on, on if you're, when you're approaching the situation as a coach and as GMs and owners, like everybody in that building, there's like, got to be an understanding of okay here's our plan here's how we're going in here's how we're going to deal with this from a psychological standpoint for the guy we're paying a lot of money especially coming off a year where he wasn't good like there's a whole bunch of sports psychology wrapped up in this that's going to make it really fascinating the one thing i will say for denver guys i don't know if this changed a lot since 2014 2015 but if history is predictive I hope you like CrossFit because Sean Payton, I, so I did two off-season tours with the Saints and Sean Payton loved CrossFit stuff. Had all of those push sleds in there. Our oh, conditioning test was some version of a CrossFit thing where you had to do like squats and sit-ups with a medicine ball and then push a sled with different weights based on your position back and forth across the field. And my God, did that thing kick my ass. So very different challenge. Prepare for that. You're at altitude, fellas. So that's, you know, Altitude training, not a four-letter word there. Going to be very fascinating to watch that one and how it differs because we also had and mentioned the D'Amico Ryans hiring by the Houston Texans who gave him a six-year deal, which you know, coming off of what we saw John Gruden getting a 10-year deal, Matt Rule getting a seven-year deal with the um, Carolina Panthers before he got fired, kind of an admission that we think this thing might take a while. This one seems like one that everyone's universally excited about. The press tour for D'Amico Ryans recently of all of the people from his past parts of his football life who love this guy, who rave about his leadership, how quickly he seemed tabbed to be the next guy as a head coach by Kyle Shanahan, who seems to have a knack and an eye for talent at that in that side of the football. And the fact that he's walking in. Like, I don't have a lot of good things to say about the Texans organization. I... Enjoyed the way some people tried to frame this as the Texans, I believe, became the first franchise in NFL history to hire three black head coaches back to back to back. But 
they also fired two of them after yeah. one year. So you don't really get credit for that. Right. Yeah, I was going to say you the one thing about this is that we I, we're about to find out how dumb the Texans are. We're going to find out just how um if that organization has any interest in rehabilitating itself or if it really is just fairly rotten because there's no way as a as any from a PR state, they can't fire D'Amico Ryans no. after one year. Like no matter what happens, he could go oh and how many? 17? 18? Yes. Yeah, now. 17. I mean, there's so many games. Sorry. He, he could lose every single game and they can't fire him because A, that wouldn't be his fault because he is working with a severely broken plane that he is going to be fixing as he flies it. And if anyone can do it, I believe it's him in the first year, but it's it's going to take more than one year. Like if they go eight and eight, that's a huge success. I mean, not eight. You can't say that anymore. I know. it's no, they the, go, the schedule math has become so foobar, but you're right in the fact that you know, he, he is absolutely guaranteed longer than a year. Well, if absolutely it or, has to be. or if they fire him, that's just like the nail in the coffin for this iteration of the Texans. Right. Well, yeah, because well, Nick Casario, their GM, has now hired his third head yes. coach in his tenure, yes. which almost never happens in the NFL without people being held accountable. So you're right. If it did happen, it would be a massive indictment on the organization. D'Amico Ryans would have another job tomorrow, and he's exactly. got six years worth of money that he would collect and got as protection, which is the most important part of when you're dealing with a franchise that's been traditionally foobar. Yeah, but but that franchise getting a black eye, pun intended, is not really that big of a deal. It's kind of like when you have a a clunker of a vehicle and you you get into another fender bender, <laughs> or you're driving around, and you see a really banged up car. It's like, let me stay away from that person because they make some poor decisions, right? Coming from now, obviously the Texans aren't going to get any Black History Month quote uh, with this how many <laughs> black head coaches they hired because of the amount that they fired, but. With what's going on with Sean Payton, I'm looking at these contracts and these deals completely differently. Like, I don't know if they actually trust that he's going to be there 10 years and be successful. I think that they know that he'll be there for five years and be successful. And they can trade that for a draft pick if they end up uh, firing him and, and, and moving him around. He has to go somewhere else. Like, there's there's a longevity in, in investing in these minds well, behind these coaches as well. I would say this. I know other NFL owners did not like that Matt Rule contract, and a lot of them did not mm. like the John Gruden contract because it messes up the market for them. So there is something to the length of those. But again, much like we talked about, the Broncos weren't in any position to really negotiate. Neither were the Texans. This guy played for your team is excited about coming back to a place that has been a dumpster fire since the end of the Deshaun Watson tenure. And even during a lot of that, they were a 500 football team. Even having a guy that was a top five quarterback for all that time didn't net you a ton of high-end winning outside of some minimal playoff activity. So you're going to have that. For D'Amico Ryans, you've got one of the top two picks in the draft this year. You've got three first-rounders in the next two years. You've got young talent that showed up on this ball. Derek Stingley Jr., Damian Pierce on offense. There's things you can squint and become excited about. It's just to Charlotte's larger conversation about this organization and how ready they are holistically to support someone like this. I'm rooting for them. I mean, I, you know, I think that there's been so much rot in that organization. And if you can get someone who can begin to turn it around from a football standpoint, maybe that 
you know, maybe those vibes trickle up, right? Who's to say? Like, I I think if there's anyone who has it, I feel like this is honestly, we were talking last week about maybe ranking open head coaching positions. And like, I think the Texans were my last, probably. Um, I feel like at the same time for the right guy, this is the best possible opportunity because when the bar is set really low, um, you have a much better chance of exceeding expectations. Um, and you are given a little bit more leeway. I think like a Sean Payton going to a Russell Wilson, those stakes are high. Like there is not any room for error. You got a D'Amico Ryan's this universally beloved guy for who he is and how he coaches and what he did in the league. And, and you have a situation that most people are like, wow, like good luck to him. And I think it's a perfect match because he, as a first time head coach, is going to come in with the benefit of the doubt. And I think that that's actually on his part, a really smart thing to take this job. And it's sort of the only pairing that to me actually makes sense um, from both from both standpoints like there he he clearly is getting an opportunity he's so deserved and there's only you can only go up and he did it on a fast track too like he's been in coaching for six years he came in was defensive quality control for the Niners in 2017 worked up to linebackers coach and then took over as coordinator when Rob Sala left in 2021 so he's been a guy and I think for a lot of people focusing on the intangibles, the leadership quality. You've heard a lot of those things talked about that I think need to be more of the conversation when it comes to head coaching in the NFL. Uh, sorry. Yes. No, I think that, I think that's totally, totally right. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens here. I really, I think sometimes the best way to have success is, you know, there are two things here, right? Like in politics, when people are like, I don't want a politician. Like I want somebody new to come in and shake things up. And you can say like, well, sometimes experience is good. But in this case with the Miko Ryans, who is clearly um, so talented and successful. I mean, look what he's done with the Niners. I think that that relative newness just means you're still going to have freshness and excitement um, as opposed to uh, anything else really. I think there's two other points that are interesting about the D'Amico Ryans thing to consider is one, the former player angle that we just saw work really well for the Detroit Lions, which puts the impetus on who you hire. So much of what happened up in uh, up in Detroit with Dan Campbell was about him going out and hiring really good staff, a lot of former players, and then striking gold with Ben Johnson as his offensive coordinator. And for D'Amico Ryans, who comes in as the defensive-minded head coach, there's an even bigger, I think, amount of importance based on who you hire as the offensive coordinator in a league that's defined by that where all the advantages are right now. So that's going to be a big part of that. And we just saw, you know, again, the Lions have their flaws. They're going to be dealing with things defensively, but – you expect D'Amico Ryans to have a lot of that ironed out just with his presence there, albeit coming from a defense in San Francisco where he had a couple of future Hall of Fame level players that he was dealing with, which won't be the case here. You think he's going to get Bill O'Brien? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. You guys steal all the good stuff up there. <laughs> Do you know that he was the only Texans coach to be over 500? Amazing. To think about like all the ways ever. we think about that tenure. Ever. He was there for a long time, though. So he was like point five like two six. So he was there for six years. Yeah, yeah. Was, that, that, that's for like that might be the longest Texas Texans tenure at head coach. So like, there's just had more opportunity to win. 
it is amazing. He's the sixth. I mean, you forget, like they're an expansion franchise. So he's the sixth head coach in franchise history. And that's because he's the third in as many years. So it makes it very <laughs> interesting. The other part I think that's interesting to consider from the 49ers standpoint, Kyle Shanahan getting him a little defensive coaching tree going. Now with Rob Sala with the Jets and what you've got with wow. D'Amico Ryans here, Sala and them trending in the right direction, ostensibly on the defensive side of the ball. And as a yeah. coach in the league, one of the most important things that you can do is make sure your specialty isn't the weak point of the team. So while Rob Sala and them got to figure out the quarterback situation now and apparently think Nathaniel Hackett luring over Aaron Rodgers will be the way to do that, defensively they were monsters this last year. And so now for D'Amico Ryans in Tex- in the Houston Texans land, it is just interesting to now look at who the 49ers go after next for the D coordinator job because for all his great offensive prowess, apparently Kyle Shanahan then also knows very well this is who's really good at stopping me and who vibes really well with the team. They might have a future in this whole head coaching thing. Yeah, but I think all roads lead back to Denver in a weird way because this is what his dad did. Like Mike Shanahan has one of the low-key uh, – like he's not one name with all the rest of them uh, that has coaching trees, the Parcells, the Belichick. Um, I mean, he's no, got all these young guys. Shanahan's yeah. coaching tree is better than Belichick's, arguably, results-wise. Yeah. No, I I don't think that's a stretch at all, especially now that, you know, because of that Washington stint, you get to add him in yep. with all of these young guys in the Shanny McVeigh and um, Mike uh, Matt LaFleur group there. So it's 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 very interesting to watch. Super excited for D'Amico Ryans. I I think he's capable of doing a great job, and I hope that that organization does the right things around him to make that so. Um Yeah. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. Guys, switching gears a little bit. As we get ready for Super Bowl week next week, we mentioned that Charlotte Wilder will unfortunately not be with us out at the Super Bowl, but... We wanted to talk about something Super Bowl related because we had a revelation talking before the podcast. I love Super Bowl commercials, and I think that we kind of have already passed 
somewhat of a golden age of them, or they feel yeah. like they at least have less of an important place overall in the zeitgeist. And so I was talking about, you know, top fives or something like that. And then Charlotte drops this bomb on us. So Charlotte, as we talked about on the podcast, newly engaged and your husband soon to be actually works in this industry and also comes from a family that's done some big time things in this industry. So explain the connection here because you now have inside background information on some of the greatest Super Bowl ads ever created. I do. And I, I have a whole list. I called oh, my wow. soon to be father-in-law. So my fiance, and there's no way of saying that word without sounding like an asshole. So I'm like, we got to get married soon because I can't, <laughs> I can't keep You got to lean um, into it because there's, there's a short window saying it. So you got to kind of let it roll off the tongue. Yeah, oh, God. Uh, my fiance, um, yeah whose name is Tyler, his dad, Kevin Byrne, um, who's retired now, but he's a legend in the uh, commercial business. And um, he produced, Kevin has produced 50 Super Bowl commercials um, in his lifetime. Uh, like every, yeah, like every Super Bowl, com- almost every Super Bowl commercial that you're like, oh yeah, I remember that one, like Kevin produced. Um and just in general, like he, anytime we'll be watching TV or like a famous person comes up, he's like, oh yeah, I worked with them. Like the chair in one of the chairs in our living room is actually um, like, a, it's this beautiful mid-century modern chair. And it was from a Gillette commercial they did. It was the chair Tom Brady sat in and oh. Kevin just like took it at the end and of the shoot. And we have this like gorgeous, gorgeous is, chair. Is there a shrine <laughs> around that chair now? No, I want to get it reupholstered though, but Tyler likes the stripes. Um, so I called him before this because Mike was like, do you have any strong opinions on Super Bowl commercials? And I I love them too. I absolutely love them. I, you know, there's no way to say this also without sounding like an asshole, but like sometimes when I'd be at the Super Bowl, I'd be like, this is unbelievable and so cool. And I'm pitching myself. And also though, I can't see the ads. Um, Sucks. and it really, it like sucked a little bit. It's a huge part of the whole experience, or at least it used to be. And I hope that one day, like, I hope it will continue to be, but it used to be like, you would never get up during the Super Bowl. It was like being Scott Hansen. Right. You couldn't go to the bathroom yeah. for that entire time. No. And, and Kevin was saying, you know, I asked him to start, I was like, what would you say is the, the mo- number one, most important thing about a Super Bowl commercial? And he was like, I think it has to be funny. He was like, I think mm. in the soup in the case of the Super Bowl, comedy is king. Like the sappy ones just don't do it in the same way. He was like, you want people that you want the room to go quiet when the Super Bowl commercial comes on. And so I asked him for some of his favorites, and um, he told me a few behind the scenes ones. Do you remember? Um, it was the first ad that Monster.com ever did, which was that the career website. Yeah. It was yes. in 1999, and it was When I Grow Up. It yes. was all these kids saying, like, when I grow up, I want to be in middle management. Like, when I grow up, I want to get stuck in the ladder and never be, like, sort of, you know, things that, like, no kid would ever say. And it's like, you clearly need Monster.com. Wow. And um, Kevin produced that, and he was, like, you know – he he also did one a Pepsi commercial with um the Osbournes with you know Sharon and Ozzy yes, yes. yeah and then at the end the the Osmonds show up Donnie and Marie yes. Osmond show up um and he was like that one was fun uh, wow. and then there do you remember the career builder one where it was a guy and he goes into the office and he's working with all these chimpanzees like yes the 
in the he's in an office and the only his coworkers are all monkeys. Yes. You remember that it does, one? It, it doesn't it does ring a bell but not not enough to, for me to see. Well, it's. apparently so they were all real chimps that they were all like it wasn't CGI or they had these monkeys in the room with this guy and one of the monkeys before they were about to start filming lunged at the talent like the the one guy in it and like started attacking the guy and the trainer like intercepted it and so kevin's like so then you know he and the director and that go in with the client and they have this hour-long meeting and they're like okay i guess we're just gonna shoot them all separately and because the, the guy couldn't be in the room with the monkeys because the monkeys were Man. and so they shot each each monkey and each reaction shot of the guy separately and edited it together. And he was like, you would never know from how it came out. But hey, that, was- that monkey wow. didn't want to share camera time. I don't blame him. No. He understood hey, this was his moment. Before, uh, this reminds me of Nope, because that was uh, the animal trainers, the whole thing. That was a Nope commercial in the movie Nope. But I do want to say for my chimpanzee friends out there, I don't know if you feel uh, slighted by being referred to as monkeys. I know you're a chimp. And I know there's a difference, Sorry. but just, you know, just if anyone was listening and felt triggered, I just wanted to throw that out there. I forget that sometimes. And then I, I, <laughs> you, you know, like there are all these cat, we're related to, to, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so we're, I guess, say, exactly. There's no, um, that's, that's, then that's, there an, was, that's an amazing, that's an amazing ad and also a terror, like a terrifying situation for anybody, but I'd imagine an actor especially is very not equipped to fight a monkey. So yeah, no, definitely not. And as a producer, it's just like absolute nightmare. I mean, if I, Tyler, who is also, he, he produces films and he does commercials and he, it's like the most intense thing and like the behind the scenes of how the you know what seems like the most straightforward thing gets made i mean you're really making these short movies in like the span of three days and you have a month to prep them and it's the most intense thing and then for a super bowl and you have all this you know yeah insane amount of money on the line but there were two more that he told me he really loved doing there was one for charles schwab with hank aaron and barry bonds arguing yes, about like the home run yes. records and he was like that one was super cool and they were great to work with um and then there was one where it was for h&r block with willie nelson oh and yeah w- willie had apparently the day before played a concert in boston so they just drove the tour bus down to new york where they were filming and like parked in front of the production offices um in midtown and kevin and the director go up to the bus to you know say hi well it's like seven in the morning and the door opens and just like so much pot smoke falls like tumbles out of the butt kevin was like i think i I think we all got a contact high from from that one but um it's just fun to see like did they have an opportunity to actually get high with willie nelson I, I don't think that was written into the schedule. Um, but yeah. he, I, he was I, like, he was, Kevin goes, Willie was so cool. <laughs> I, was, I was like, yeah, he, he seems incredible. I don't think it's any small feat or any coincidence that two guys universally seen as incredibly cool, both in their professional career in music and in their career in advertising, being Willie Nelson and Snoop Dogg is an accident. Like those dudes no. are just baked out of their gourd yeah. the entire time and walk into every situation as the coolest person in the room. And I bring up Snoop yeah. Dogg to remind everybody that one of my life's biggest regrets is not smoking weed with Snoop Dogg when he played a concert at Notre Dame in college because I 
was afraid of getting randomly drug tested. I was in the room. He had the materials and I chickened out on smoking because I was a dumb junior in college, afraid of losing the playing time I already wasn't getting to an actual random drug test because it ain't like the NFL. These are actually random. I think that's a really, I think that's an okay decision, Mike. Yeah, I mean. I, I was I I had my I had my opportunity too and I skipped it, Mike. It really really wasn't that big of a deal. You know, I was a part of that getting Snoop Dogg to South Bend. You yes. remember that, Mike? Oh yeah, you were. Yes, my uh, my wife's uncle uh, worked since worked out of South Bend. Did a bunch of concerts. Was just like that type of dude. Uh, just a bunch of old people concerts. Like yeah, BB King, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Cheech and Chong, like. You know, amazing journey, uh, young, like all the me. foreigner, all that type of stuff. So, right? like concerts for me is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. So he was in a he was in Alaska uh, at a Hyatt, and he saw Snoop Dogg and his people come in, and then he calls Michelle and I because I was with there, and he's like, "Hey, we just saw Snoop Dogg walking to in the concert. Do you think Notre Dame students would be interested in him being at a concert?" I was like, yes, go run, grab that man, make it a thing, make it happen. Uh, he had a great first show, the, the, and he came back that next year. He At that point in time, Scott, Skylar Diggins was kind of really popular, so she was, he was mm. like wearing the Skylar Diggins jersey, and it was like she was, she was like getting called out by Chris Brown and, and Lil Wayne and things like that. So I'm glad everyone had fun there. I was actually working the, the door at that day, uh, checking IDs. I had no idea what I was looking at because I'm really not good at math. So a lot of people were handing me their student IDs as they went to the uh, that bar for that concert so shouts out to them i'm glad everyone owes brandon a debt of gratitude for making sure that snoop dogg came to michiana's hottest nightclub <laughs> back in the day and uh charlotte's in-laws for a lot of the favorite super bowl commercials Man. you've ever seen for what it's worth my favorite super bowl commercial of all time is reebok's office linebacker terry tate for my money i think it's the greatest <sighs> super bowl commercial ever made i i 2003 it has spawned a bunch of knockoffs since. I think most True. recently Cam Hayward did one of those for a spoof yeah. for the Steelers last year. It is, yeah. to me, undisputed the king of content, a guy going around the offense berating employees and actually hitting them. That Yes. All, I, I, all I'll say is, yeah. Oh, the one other thing is that Tyler's mom, who's an actor, was actually in a Super Bowl commercial for what? visa and they flew her to Italy for like 10 days and she was she I mean it's pretty it's a pretty wild it's a it's a sort of niche world but um no, you come a very from Super cool. Bowl commercial royalty I was gonna say yeah. you are you are uh, you are like now everyone watching Super Bowl halftime who's listened to this podcast can understand that Charlotte Wilder is a step closer to this process and is seen behind the curtain of one of the most cherished parts of the Super Bowl experience. So yeah, our kids are going to be the, the prince and princess of Super Bowl commercials, oh, except only on one side. Cause my family is not involved. You've got to dress up your kid for the first, like his first Halloween eventually as the puppy monkey baby ad for Mountain Dew <laughs> Kickstarter from 2016. Ooh. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, it, like it was yesterday. <laughs> One of the most haunting images of all time. But if we talk about the Whopper Whopper, Puppy Monkey Baby was something everybody was mumbling for the next couple of yep. weeks after that. It Do you was guys, was the, was the Cadbury in the air tonight uh, with the gorilla, was that a Super Bowl commercial or not? I don't know. There's some famous ad campaigns like that. Like I was thinking of the... Um, 
like the the twins. I think I forget which beer company it was, but the you know I love football on TV, shots of Gina Lee, hanging with my friends. Like I don't think that was a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah, but me I, some iconic ad campaigns. I just try and shoehorn into the Super Bowl. Yeah, like I I was trying to prepare for this, and I was looking up the was that was a Super Bowl commercial. Well, originally that first the first was up commercial was a Monday Night Football. Uh, oh. reveal and I think the really? Super Bowl ones were like when the animals start doing it like the animal for personification like I think that's the stuff that really hit and everybody's like, okay that's it but my number one Super Bowl commercial I have to say and it was one of those that like you remember it but you never you don't remember what they were selling right because th- yeah, that wasn't right. the important part the Volkswagen Jamaican accent commercial of 2020, uh, 2013 to be happy with the guy he's walking like, hey man, don't worry, man. Like, there's this the reveal that it's just a, a white dude who had drove a Volkswagen into the, into oh. work that morning. Oh, Do you remember God. that one? No, I don't now remember that. Go back and watch it. That commercial was legendary. It was one of those like, this feels wrong, but it, it, everything was right about it. Oh, everything was man. right about it. You know what? At Gojo Show on Twitter, let us know your favorite Super Bowl commercial of all time. And if any of them have come up recently, because I am curious if any in the last four or five years have made their way into anybody's top two or three of these, we'll take all of them. As always, you can download, subscribe, rate, and review, and put it in the rating as well for this. Um, The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Commercials and puppy monkey baby business aside, time to ask the question. Brandon, do you know what time it is? What? Is really time for that? Oh, it is. It's okay. sort of always time for that. I know, I know, but this is I, I'm I'm a little bit more involved today. Let me just let me just get to it because it, it's it's going to move fast. Okay. <sighs> I really don't. I mean, what what is there to say? You know what I mean? Becky was a beauty from South Alabama Her daddy had a heart like a nine pound hammer Think he even did a little time in the slammer This, that, and the third Snuck out one night and met me by the front gate Her daddy came out waving that 12 gauge We tore out the drive and tempered my tailgate This, that, and the third Oh, I knew there'd be hell to pay but that crossed my mind a little too late Cause I was, I was thinking about, about a little, little white thing Sitting right there in the middle by me 
I was thinking about a long kiss, man, just gotta get going where the night might lead. Oh, I know what I was feeling. But this, that, and the third. Yeah! Hell yeah. Oh. Man. Brandon wow. Newman on top of his wow. shit today. And if you loved it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, and tell him how much you loved it. Brandon, you also sang that more beautifully than the song normally commands. Like normally that's more of like a talk singing song and you gave yeah, it yeah, a little yeah. bit of extra love there that was appreciated. So great job, man. You did. You put some you put some juice into that one. I have to say something that I don't know if people know about me is that I know every word to every top 100 country song from like 1985 <laughs> to like 2008. Surely. Like I'm dead serious. Like you could, you could play me pick, pick a random song from like the, you know, nineties, two thousands country playlist on Spotify. Like, and I probably know every single word. Honestly, like, don't take the girl. Char- like, you know wow. what? Charlotte, you made a mistake saying this out loud on the podcast because now the next time we have you on, it's going to be Charlotte karaoke. Please try, try me. Also, I think I know, I think I really do know every single word to every single Dixie chick song. Sorry, the chicks, every single, every, like it, I don't know. I think it was, you know, like the Kazaa years or like the LimeWire years where like, I basically all I listened to was, country and rap and so my and that but then like classic rock i mean it like i was really into the genres and then of course i you know garden state comes out and i get really into like every indie bit so i have like the the wealth of lyrics in my head up until like 2009 and then i just don't know the words to anything it's that time in your formative years when your brain's still soft enough to accept all of that. And at that yes. point, so much of it was on repeat because that was the way that Top 40s radio worked. So I think we all got that stuff beat into our head at that age more. It's why I remember so many like Akon and random plies yes. lyrics and shit from the early oh, 2010 so or the early 2000s and aughts. Any, sorry, yeah. No, well, I was going to say to that, I didn't realize Dirks Brentley, what was I thinking was with a, my first country song that I came obsessed with. And like that kind of started, it was a gateway drug. So I was like, oh, they rapping over there? Like, I didn't know they was, <laughs> I didn't know they was rapping during their country songs. Like that's, and that Dixie chick, uh, 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 goodbye Earl or whatever that song was. I was like, like, like oh, a lot yeah. of them are actually spitting. So oh, no, they are, they are. It's really, they, the, the heat on some of those lyrics. Also, sometimes I'm like, I don't understand why I can't remember how to do long division, but like I know every word to Heads Carolina Tales California by Joe D. Messina. Like, why do I know that? <laughs> like, what is I can't figure out how to do a tip, but I, I can sing you Jason Aldean's like the the song about the water tower that they, it's like what is wrong with me? I need us. I need someone to make a like a meme of Charlotte looking at a phone with one of these songs on it and the thought bubble saying these mfers spitting because <laughs> that's all I could think of now that Brandon has said that. So Charlotte karaoke coming to a podcast okay. near you. Um, mm. In the meantime, mm-hmm. we finish off with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end the day and get you guys out of here on a good note. Brandon, this one's for you. Tyler Huntley has been named to the Pro Bowl as an alternate. Tyler Huntley, who threw two 
count them, two touchdown passes against three interceptions this season is uh, alternate in the Pro Bowl after four other quarterbacks called out injured in this game. Brandon, mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of it. This is a Pro Bowl in Vegas where there's not an actual game. It's a bunch of events. It's kind of a nice hang for all these guys. But the fact that a quarterback who threw, I think, at or under 100 passes this season is in the game is insane. Our backup, baby. I mean, Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley, both deemed worthy of Pro Bowl status. It honestly shows how big of a joke it is. But, hey, we're all laughing at this point in time in the season. And I'm here to take it because no one's going to look back on the on the uh, history books and he's like, oh, is that the is that the when it became a flag football game? Is that when it <laughs> becomes just like a skills challenge? Like, no, everybody's like, hey, Tyler Huntley, the backup quarterback for the Ravens in 2022-2023 season, ended up making a Pro Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Like, honestly, love that for him because, to your point, it's going to go on his Wikipedia page and his NFL bio, and nobody's going to give a shit how he got there. So go off, nope. Tyler Huntley. I didn't know people started calling you Snoop, but I respect that, too, and the fact that you're a Pro Bowler. <laughs> Look, he looked good sometimes out there, guys. Like, in the moments when hey. he wasn't throwing interceptions, he looked pretty good. So, Or diving over the end zone and getting punched out so that – yeah, or getting completely rejected from yes. yeah. yeah, yeah, three yards out. But when he wasn't doing that, he looked good. <laughs> and you know what? I bet he is going to whoop some ass in the dodgeball game that goes on at the Pro Bowl. So very excited oh, for him in that opportunity there, and to see what the Pro Bowl's got to offer this weekend. If nothing else, they get a trip to Vegas and they don't have to hit each other, and that's awesome. And I love that's that really for those nice. guys. Um, Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. What I'm not sure I love is that. So I saw this article in Vice about a computer-generated AI endless loop television show of essentially spoofing Seinfeld. It was, as Seinfeld famously, a show about nothing. This was something about nothing for eternity. They fed a bunch of different machine learning things into this algorithm and created a much lower bit version of the show that just loops forever. Now, it's imperfect. They fuck up dialogue a bunch of times, but their creators said, as generative media gets better, we have this notion that at any point you're going to be able to turn on whatever future equivalent of Netflix is and watch a show perpetually, nonstop, as much as you want. You don't have just seven seasons of a show. You have 700 or infinite seasons of a show that has fresh content whenever you want it. And so that became one of our grounding pillars. Our grounding principle was, can we create a show that can generate entertaining content forever? Because that's truly where we see the future Merging towards our goal with the next generation of shows is to actually trade a show that is Netflix level quality. My question to you guys, does anyone want a show that lasts forever or am I just old? 
Do you remember last week when I said the only thing scarier than dying is living forever? Bingo. Yes. What on earth? I, okay, the whole AI thing, the whole robot renaissance, first of all, I'm anti-robot. I don't like this oh, shit. Yeah. I Look, Fuck if robots. it can help people and save lives in the medical industry or whatever, great. Right. Keep it there. I am so not about this. I think that this is where I'm like, You've seen the movies, right? I'm like, everybody's seen, like, this never ends yes. well. Also, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I just want to know, I want to be, if I there should be, any time that AI or robots or people are making decisions about whether we should outsource this to computers that might kill us someday, I there needs to be like a 75 to 25 ratio of women to men at least. And if the women are like, yes, good idea, let's go for it, then I'll be like, okay, I'll consider it. But I guarantee you that if more, if they had like stacks of women in these rooms, people would be like, mm, not sure, don't know, yes. not sure it's a good idea. That's why all the AI generated you. stuff right now is like gi- women with giant boobs and their asses in front. It is, it's next generation porn. It's terrifying. Which like, And they all have great. six fingers. Also, yeah, yeah, and we all exactly they all have six fingers, and like it's like okay, sure, that can be its own thing. Have fun with that. But like when it comes to making art or like writing essays or all that shit, it's like don't, just don't. Who needs that? We well, don't need and, that. And for me, it's like the notion of having a show that has that much content is wild. I was getting ready to start a new anime the other day, and I saw it had twenty six seasons and three hundred fifty episodes, and I'm like, there's no. no way. And those are twenty minute no. episodes. I'm not going to be able to do all that, let alone a show that literally exists forever endings are are important and having a show confined to a certain area means having to say goodbye to it is another way to realize how much we love it and without ever getting that payoff i don't know if you'd ever have the same attachment to a show i listen i hear what you guys are saying but it is positioned and titled correctly the show is called nothing forever Right. Yeah. Like, I think I think that that's ex- essentially what it's going to be. Like, you see that I, I just saw the clip of it on, on TikTok. It looks like trash, like it would be something that's just like literally on in the background for kids. But the magic of television writing is extending the it's like having a, a crescendo, Ooh. a climax, but then you end it and, mm-hmm. and there's something else on the other end. So it's kind of it, it matches up with that. Mike, before you go to your point. But it is a little scary because us as creatives, yeah. When the Mm-mm. when when robots were starting to take over and like take away line jobs for uh, manufacturing vehicles at Ford and X Y and Z, so okay. But now they're coming for our shit. Where like there's AI, like all these layoffs for these tech companies that happened recently. There's there's people investing in AI soft software that just makes articles for you because it's literally just someone to read like how many people are reading who wrote the article right now anymore like this is gearing for the future and that's why it's coming for our jobs and that's why we should be a little bit pissed and you know what you know who's saying aha i told you so now major league baseball umpires y'all talked all that shit for years about Uh, wanting robot umps and now they're coming for everybody else so i'm sure major league baseball umpires feel a little bit better about this entire situation now because hey now it's not just us brandon you hit on the one thing though the one place that i think you could actually weaponize this for good kids shows because kids don't care about the plot Mm. and anything like that they just need something on to entertain them so if you've got a perpetually ai generated digital kids show that you can run on a loop and help parents out that seems like a win 
I don't know. As someone who got most of my knowledge of classic literature from Wishbone, I think I was pretty invested in the content. Hey, I'm, I was about to say, I might, I might speak differently because I don't know if you guys know about the stuff that's out there right now. There's a little guy named Blippy who is like Bill Nye meets Barney, but a real person. He's like, goes to the San Diego Zoo and like, hi, he talks like this. And he's like very like hands on. He's cool. But white dude, like normal. He just made way for Mika, his, his homie, who's a, a mixed race. And I don't know if it's people like getting drawn to things that they're similar to but my son is in love with mika like we do our bedtime prayers at night he's he says he's he's pray he prays thank god for mika um this is after recently those scenes of beyonce and that that uh uh concert she did overseas recently and she oh, was the like, one in dubai in yellow dress yes in dubai M- uh, carter was looking at tv good morning america's on he's like hey what's this show i like this i like i like her <laughs> Mommy, oh. I like her. I was like, oh my gosh he's part Smart of the doesn't my even dog. know it yet <laughs> my dog is out here damn hey you know what good it's good amazing. that's good parenting right there good on you brandon uh um, yeah proud of you uh guys speaking of pride let's get to the third very exciting update Ooh. here based on yesterday's news. We told you about a pair of missing monkeys from the Dallas Zoo. And what a, what a time to be alive. Rebecca Lopez from WFAA in Texas tweeted, Multiple sources tell me the two missing monkeys from the Dallas Zoo have been found in Lancaster. The monkeys appear to be okay. We got monkey sources in 2023. And all I have to say is take them to a different zoo. Dallas, you have shown yourself incapable of protecting the animals that you house. I want these beautiful, cute little monkeys at a zoo that is actually going to have their backs. Yep. I, oh, animal stuff. I, I, it, it, and, oh, remember when the llamas were loose? That was the same day as the dress. That was like the greatest day in the internet. Yeah. I was, I was just like, Yes, this is incredible content. I was also really hoping the llamas were okay. I just want all the True. animals to be okay. <laughs> I hope this they're having a good for you, time. Charlotte. What? Yeah, this, I but uh, I mean, where were you at when Harambe hit? hit uh, well, oh, oh, I, mean, I, I remember it vividly. I was sitting at my desk at USA Today in Tyson's Corner, Virginia, wanting to walk slowly into the Potomac, and um, the news broke and. I was devastated. Also, didn't understand. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> for the first month, wait, I, I was like, wait, me. what? Like, yeah, it's still a little how? confusing, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? I still, I still am not, in, I still don't know what happened. I'm going to be honest, but I, yeah. but I'm, but I'm sad about him. Yeah, of we course. all continue. I mean, I do we know what happened, it. but like conceptual, like. Like figure like I don't How? get it. <laughs> there are- How the baby get down there? Yeah, right. You know what? Yeah. Someday someone's going to go back and do the journalistic work to try and get the answers that we deserve on that. Ooh. In the meantime, rest in peace, Harambe. We miss you, King. We hope you're doing well in the great beyond here. We hope you're all doing well uh, in the current beyond with us here on this podcast. If you are, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. And check us out and Brandon Shirt on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Brandon, Charlotte, thank you guys. We'll talk to everybody tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.